it's never the complexity of the service that matters you know i can make a really complex service which no one can understand and consuming it could be a nightmare it is the ease of the service that appeals to our innermost desires Emmanuel H.R. Daniel is the Director of Industry Innovation for Smart Buildings and Campuses at Microsoft. Today, he will paint you a picture of a day in the workplace in 2031 and how data will play a role in creating better experiences for your workday. I'll be honest, my biggest fear with this interview was whether or not I'd be able to keep up with such a heady topic. But Emmanuel is able to take subjects that on the surface seem very complex and draw simple, powerful conclusions that I know you'll want to hang on to. I was at a conference at some sort of, uh, at a round table and I was chatting with someone and he, and he asked me the very same question. He said, you know, what's this fascination that you have with space being a technology guy and you know, how did it start? I was like, you know, the, the it's a great question. Uh, and then I told him, I said, look, you know, all throughout my, my childhood, I've always been traveling. I grew up in multiple countries. And so for me, all of a sudden, space became very personal, right? Space was something that I connected with because uh, a good part of my career, I used to travel like crazy. Uh, and the hotel room was my space. And then when he said, could it be because, you know, you you move around so much, you travel so much, you try to make whatever space you're in suitable to your needs and your requirements that you started focusing on personalization of space and space adapting to you because I don't choose where I go, right? I go where the business takes me or where the demands are, right? And I work with what I have. And I say, you know what? I didn't think of it that way. That, that could probably be why. But my journey with the space and the built environment started as an outcome of a project in, in Singapore. I am from Singapore. So we had this huge, massive engagement where we said, how do we make um, a building smart, connected, and, you know, the whole focus at that point in time was on efficiency, right? The whole thing was, how do I optimize facilities management? So a small team can manage a large number of buildings. And the other focus was also about making FM beautiful. I mean, it was a great practice by itself, but it wasn't attractive for the younger generation, right? So you always had this massive skills gap because everybody wanted the flashy, shiny optics. They said, why don't we try to take a stab at making FM really attractive and showcasing it to people for what it is. Because when you look at a building, all you think is facilities management. You don't think about data. You don't think about personalization. You don't think about happiness and experience. So you said, hmm, that's a great way. So start repurposing the role of a facilities manager into that of a building manager who uses data to drive happiness of their occupants. And that Changed, changed the entire perspective. He said, huh, you know what, that's that's a great point. We should probably try to position it that way. And then all of a sudden, you start discovering buildings are beautiful by themselves. You know, architecturally, physically, they're great structures, right? And engineers do a lot of work. But the space inside those structures are not as effective. Right? We still design spaces conventionally. We still talk about the layout, the colors, and all that is critical. But how does that space interact with you? So for the activity you're doing at that point in time, it responds to your needs. How does that space give you the surety that the space is safe, it's secure, and I'm much better working in this space compared to some other space? And that's where the whole merger of digital with physical started to come in. 
And that's why we then say that buildings have always collected data, right? There is no building that doesn't have data, but we never use that data to drive happiness of the occupants. We've used that data to drive efficiency for the building owners and the building managers, right? And I always say this, where I said, people don't go to a building where they see the lights don't work or the cooling doesn't work. And, and you know, Singapore, you need cooling. It's extremely hot. Or in the case in Seattle, you need, you need heating. Yeah. We take it for granted, but then at the moment the space delights me, right? Such as as soon as I walk in, the ambient environment adjusts to what is suitable to me. It shows me what I value the most. Okay, I value sitting near a window because I love natural light and like to look at the green trees or hey, I'm heads down. Okay, I need to find a quiet corner in an office without you know, objecting to somebody else's preference to have a random ad hoc collaboration. This is the quietest zone in the office. Why don't you go and pick up a space there? Right, or this is the best time to go to the cafeteria. And guess what? That cafeteria has that okay, that burger from that place that you really like. They have a pop-up shop when you go pick it up. So that engagement started appealing to me. And then I said, hmm, technology can redefine the built environment, not physically, but you know, experientially, where data is used to help people achieve what they want to. That's how it started. So it was in yeah, I would say it was uh, okay, a delightful collision of two worlds, technology and the built environment coming together. And it, it just fascinated me all around. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love some of the words you picked out, like the, the ability for data to deliver happiness and an experience. These aren't always things that people associate with data. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought that was really interesting. Um, and this idea that, uh, that a building can delight us. I think just that word is really neat to, to imagine, you know, really for any profession, gosh, that's what you aspire towards, you know, is the opportunity to delight someone. I think people are probably dying to be a fly on the wall and wonder, what are you talking about? You know, what are you thinking about with regards to the, the future of space and data? Mm-hmm. And when you say buildings have always collected data, you know, I've always heard that we're only leveraging a fraction of the data we collect. And we're on the cusp of something really big once we start to use all this. What's your take on that and where, where that's going? So it's a, it, it's a very accurate statement because traditionally buildings, well, you know, we're, we're not talking about buildings that are 100, 200 years old, but modern buildings, you know, 30, 40 years. The, the buildings will always try to optimize the assets that go into them. That's where you have a building management system. Building management system is then connected to subsystems. These assets produce data. You have set points, you have rules. Using that data, we try to drive efficiency. And that's where sustainability comes in. That's where our focus to be net zero buildings comes in, trying to conserve the amount of energy we use and also trying to look at using the right amount of energy based on the right number of people that are there within the premises start to fit in. These were great. And we've been collecting all this data for a very long time. Uh, Of course, there are cases where you'll always have a building where the naming conventions aren't done right or the data mapping is not done right. So the data may not be that useful, but yes, we have been collecting data. Now, what what was missing was how can I use this data to correlate the effectiveness of the space in which a person is performing. You know, you have, uh, it's like studying. Some kids love to study with the music on. Some kids need absolute pin drop silence. Some people study extremely well in a group, discussing, chatting. Some people just love to sit by themselves, read a book, and they get the whole thing. So space that way is different for different people. Uh, I mean, I may do really well if I have mood lighting, or I may do really well if I have natural lighting. 
I may do really well if I see people walking past me because that then engages me to be focused and attentive, or I would like to have complete silence and absolutely no disturbance. Now, how does space respond to that? Because once you build a building, I don't keep breaking it down and you know recreating it all the time. So that's where we then said, look, let's try to study the behavior of people in space and what drives and motivates them to consume that space. And we said, hmm. So in a space, I can figure out the heating, I can figure out the cooling, I can figure out the lighting. How does this correlate to making that space more attractive for someone to use? Okay, is it the style? Is it the style of lighting coupled with the type of sound? Uh, for example, natural interactions. If I have to bring in outside sound into inner space, I'm in touch with the environment. By being in touch with the environment, I am, okay, am I more attentive to what's going on around me? Hence, I can focus better on what I want to do, right? And how do these options vary for different kinds of people? Okay, if I'm going to go into the office and let's say space as a whole, and in that space, I decide that I want to do something. Let's say have food, but I hate eating alone. Okay, I always love to have lunch uh, with a colleague, we sit, we discuss, we learn, it's about connecting. But I also have a pressing issue where I think I really want to talk about this topic because it's been bothering me. Let's say, you know, I want to find out the, the latest and greatest efficient design for buildings. And how do I find out where that person is? Because setting up a formal meeting removes the informal element of just a casual conversation. And casual conversations are the best. You learn most from casual conversations. So having the building tell me that, hey, um, this person generally sits here. If you walk down this path, there's a higher probability of you meeting that person. And guess what? They like to go for lunch as well around this time. So why don't you try to collide into them or accidentally collide into that person to make it a lunch date. And this is where the, the element of um, accidental features very, very strongly. And the reason I say accidental is planned, anybody can plan for anything. And I think when you plan for something, there is always the stress and the burden that am I prepared? Do I have my slides done? Do I have my notes ready? But accidentally, when you catch someone, it's always about they talk from the heart, right? They talk passionately. And the environment has made that collision possible. And the fact that you have a cafeteria with a dining table at the right point in time where it's not too crowded or it's not uh, too much of people trying to scam food, you know, running around, trying to collect all the food that they want, but it is just the right amount of crowd okay, with a small table in the corner that you traditionally like with the person who makes coffee for you, serving it in a way that you love because those are the specs that you have for coffee and you enjoying it. So what we have done is taken away the stress from the situation of you trying to figure out where to go, what to eat, what to pick up and who to search for, but just focusing on you and what you would like to achieve, which is, please, I would like to build a much more efficient building. How do I go about designing it? And you have the best person talking to you about it. So taking out these distractions or taking out these inhibitors to productivity is what data can do for you within a building. There's something I, I, as you spoke about how we use technology to experience place differently, reminded mm -hmm. me of, of sleep because like, you know, th there's this use of technology to help us sleep better. Something mm -hmm. that we've been doing since we've been around, right? I mean, we've been sleeping since we've been, since we've mm -hmm. existed and we're finding ways to actually do something that comes very naturally. We're finding ways to actually do it better right because we're understanding mm -hmm. our sleep patterns and all these you know and, and it kind of feels the same you know it's like 
Here we've been mm-hmm. we've been finding our way around the planet forever, and now we're going to find our way just a little bit better, and we're going to show up a little more refreshed. And it's like we're, we're kind of tapping into you know like more more human. I don't know potential. I guess is the is the word I'm 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 thinking about. It's really interesting. Just this whole idea of rediscovering some of the very simple things about us and just doing it better. The I think that's that's a great way of putting it, Doug. And I think you you hit it on the head. Uh, okay, it's never the complexity of the service that matters. You know, I can make a really complex service which no one can understand, and consuming it could be a nightmare. It is the ease of the service that appeals to our innermost desires, you know, like sleep. I think, okay, I love the example of sleep. We, people have to sleep. Okay, it's good for you. It's good for your body. It leads to rejuvenation of, of your core body, your core strength. And it's good to take a little bit of rest, right? You get a different perspective on, okay, on the same issue when you wake up. So the same way sleep puts you at rest, what we are trying to do is engage your senses, stimulate your senses, motivate your senses. So as an outcome of that, you are better engaged and you enjoy what you're trying to do. You know, the, the, we love going to an amusement park. Uh, it's, uh, the kids love it, right? Because they run around, they play. Now they run around and they play all the time. But why in an amusement park, they're running around and the playing just becomes so much more engaging because you run around and play with the objective of getting a thrill on a ride Okay, or an okay, extra ice cream cone or cotton candy, which you traditionally would not get. Now, what we're trying is, I'm trying to take away all the the negative elements of the bad habits of eating too much sugar, but then stimulating you in the right way. So you are continuously refreshed and that leads to better outcomes, better productivity okay, and better benefit, not only for the individual, but also for the organization and the, okay, and the building owners where the occupants are residing. Yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, amusement park analogy. I mean, I can I, I I can understand that really all too well. So I'd like to dream out with you now a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, project out ten years. I'm an employee at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It's my first day. I just got hired, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I and I show up at the campus. I'm ready to walk into my first day. What's that going to be like? So the the core goal that we try to do is one, empowerment. You need to feel empowered as you come onto the campus. And what does empowerment mean? It means the ability for me to be able to support the choices you would like to make with how you'd like to work and how you'd like your day to pan out. And it starts not from the time you enter the campus, but from the time you start planning to get to the campus. What mode of transportation are you going to choose that aligns with your goals, right? Would you like to be, would you like to walk? Would you like to do carpooling? Would you like to take our amazing fleet of connectors that we have? Or would you like to drive because you decide you have a a beautiful car, which is very eco-friendly and you want to drive in? How are you going to park that car? What is the easiest way to park the car? And of course, not lose it, right? So you spend an hour afterwards searching for it. You can always go back to it. But then as soon as you park your car, how are you going to have seamless access from that building or from the spot you parked it into the facilities that you want to get to? But it's not just about entering a building. It's about telling you, hey, Doug, you love all these activities, right? And you wanted to get better engaged and better networked in. Guess what? They have this activity happening in this very same building. Would you like to sign up and be more engaged and be part of the community? Because ultimately... You go to a new place, you have to be part of the community, choose and work. You love your work, 
but at the same time how about feeding your passions in terms of the clubs the communities and you know working with other people who have similar interests that you have how is that going to be discovered then at the same time telling you hey um, you have these communities you've made those connections what would you like to eat you know and, and i'm biased towards food because coming from singapore you know food is a big part of who we are and uh, something that you really love to eat is is being offered at the cafeteria and i'll tell you the best possible time for you to go and pick it up so you have the least noise or guess what you're new you love the hustle and bustle so why don't you go to the cafeteria at this point in time so you can see the the diversity of food the different kinds of people coming in and how much each one cherishes different types of food pick up that food and then say ha huh, okay now you have to prepare for a critical meeting you are known to be most productive if you don't have the lights in the projector glaring at your eyes but rather have a sit down meeting where you have notes handed out to participants and rather than sitting in a face to face mode you love to sit in a circular mode because you believe that in that engages eye to eye contact that engages personal you know cheek to cheek or shoulder to shoulder type conversations and it allows for better collaboration all around so why don't i help you choose such a type of room so you can make the biggest impact that you would like to and at the end of it when it's time for you to go home hey you know there's this amazing classic car show you could squeeze in before taking the connector back why don't you take a route that way just have a look at it enjoy it okay and go back so basically you would say that okay i'm talking about a personal digital assistant but a personal digital assistant is uh, you feed information to it it does not adapt the space to respond to you here the space such as the meeting room such as the walkway such as the access such as the ride sharing options all of this conforms to your requirements so when somebody else has to go for it it dynamically realigns itself to the needs of that person and that's why we say space is no longer just space space is personalized so that's about empowerment so we empower you and you know it's a very foundational principle right empowerment short simple the second part of it is about being given the opportunity to be engaged and to be heard and why is that important for us as well that is critical for us also because how do we okay, as much as we empower you how do we engage you so that you now know that you are valuable you're part of the community you feel as one okay, and that once again happens because you are only engaged in the space that you're in you decide to go out and cheer cheer again how do i engage you to be part of that game is this giving you the optimum experience to navigate through the park to a seat that you can sit and cheer okay is it accessibility to that you could then order the food that you want up on the stands or is it about connecting with someone and giving you a platform to present and showcase your ideas which have been on your mind so that engagement in addition to empowerment is what we would like you to feel and once you give these two two drivers okay the third one okay automatically for me is enablement so i create empowerment and engagement through an avenue by which you can then enable yourself to be highly productive or to be the best version of yourself you know as we would say but that's what we like to focus on giving you the option to decide what you want to do and all that i'm doing is just uh, okay, engaging you and okay, enabling you with the data that's being collected all around you the funny thing in all this is you know buildings are probably some of the most modern data gathering structures we have out there
That's amazing. I haven't realized how powerful they are because all that we look at is a building is we just look at the facade. And, you know, facade is important. I'm not uh, diluting it. But there is more to a building than just the external physical structure of that building. It is much more than that, you know. And, some, uh, and somehow when you look at these beautiful um, architectural designs, ancient architectural designs, and you look at the pain and effort they take in the moldings, the carvings, the pillars, the, the layout, okay, okay, the audio that you have in these old buildings where you speak in one corner of the room and you can hear it clearly at the other corner of the room. They focused on all these intangible aspects that would delight the attendees or the occupants of that building. Now, they didn't have data, right? And I'm sure they just went by pure emotional feel as to say, this is what a space should mean for me, uh, right? And they've invested in it. But over time, because of growth, because of progression, our buildings have evolved. Now, we went from really simple buildings to now really complex design buildings where we start saying that this building has to make a statement. The structure of the building represents something that is important to me. I mean, a simple box has many views and many meanings to different people um okay or uh, okay, a very very complex design you know i was talking with someone where they said even a spiral represents the the complexities of the human mind it represents the complexities of how deeply intriguing people are so designing a building as a spiral designing a building as a turban or as headgear okay, is vital in some cultures so now if the if the space represents a symbol of culture and humanity, why can't I use that space with data from that space and define the best side of human nature, which is empowerment and engagement of people that come into that space suited to their cultural needs. And that's the beauty of it. The building collects it, the systems collects it. All that I have to do is make sure I'm collecting it, okay, organizing it in a respectful way and identify the services that people would like to consume in that given space. So, okay, I'm hitting two goals. One, I'm delighting the occupants, uh, right? As an outcome of that, I make the value of, okay, of my real estate go up, which, which is important because there has to be value in what we're trying to do. People are happy, everything falls into place. Two is I'm also making my buildings become more efficient because ultimately I'm only going to offer services catered to the people that use that space, right? I won't have anything extra that people don't use. So wasting it, people always ask me this question, do you fear future-proofing buildings? I was like, you know, why would I fear it? You know, I, I would welcome it because services for me are not static. They will continuously evolve as the demographics and the occupants of that space change. I'm taking Microsoft, for example. It's... Uh, We've got multi-generational workforce. We've got different types, different ages, different kinds of people, unique in their own ways. Okay, all coming together with the sole intention of working for a great organization. Now, each one has their own preferences. And I think we really value ourselves on that. Now, should I make everybody conform to the same type of services? No, the service should adapt to you. So you are empowered to represent what you feel like. And that's where the evolution of the services, which is supported by the underlying infrastructure that goes into a building. And this is where the key comes in. So okay, ultimately, we start with experience, we start with data, right? And we start with design. But all of this is made possible through the core infrastructure that gets implemented into the building. So something as simple as power, as simple as 
conduits and pathways as simple as connectivity bandwidth you know something which you don't even think about today becomes vital because a building is designed not for a year it's designed for decades to come and in that decades to come as different people go through the walls of these buildings the services keep changing evolving adapting so so for me future proofing is taking care of the core infrastructure to ensure the building can grow but the services are continuously evolving over time to cater to the needs of the occupants at that point in time space is made beautiful by everybody coming together uh, and traditionally in okay in the built environment we've always viewed it as silos the architect designs the building the engineer builds the building okay the okay, fm manager keeps the building running the occupants are forced to go to that building because that's the building that we own we, we don't have any other space right and you have designers okay, interior designers that beautify the space uh, depending upon what the color the demographics and the suitability for the region and okay, okay, all the other aspects are each one takes a perspective that suits their line of thinking i want to build okay i would like to find a plot of land and in that plot of land i want to build a building that's going to house 12000 people you know okay example so this is the optimum design for effectively using the the entire space that we have and we have green spaces in there but you know if we pause for a moment and we bring everybody together and we say hey what is going to be the type of space we would like to build and what is the vision for consumption of that space we would like to offer so you have the architects you have the engineers you have the fm managers you have the building owners and potential occupants coming and saying this is what i desire for that space and this is what i would like to get that space to building that cohesive approach is going to be the foundation for offering great experiences in that space because today if you go and ask someone what is the vision for that space they're going to tell you hey you know uh, okay it's a class a building commercial real estate we're going to have all these amazing designs in there and you're going to ask but what are you going to do with that space it's an office building what do you mean what are you going to i said no that's not the question the question is what is the space going to offer the occupants as they start consuming it right and that's where reality hits you right and this vision can only be pieced together by everybody coming together including the gcs because everybody has a stake in building it so great design without translation is meaningless and a great experience without core infrastructure is meaningless as well so bringing these folks together and taking that holistic view you know where my desire is the next time you see a massive construction project happening right, rather than giving you the the technical details which are important right i'm not diluting it they also tell you hey dog this is the vision i have for this space and these are the experiences that are going to transform anybody that comes into contact with this space where you then get the design man you know i want to go and spend some time in this building once this building gets up and ready not you never say i want to spend time in the building you always say you know what i would love to go and see that building you know because buildings they may talk about consuming that space but shifting the mindset to say that i want to go and experience space in that building i can't wait for it to open is the ultimate goal that i would like people to get to thank you to emmanuel for being our guest today when i reflect back on our conversations 
One of the special qualities that he has is how he infused into his ideas and expressions his own great sense of optimism. I loved how he had such a clear sense of intentions and focus. If the workplace experience is going to be shaped more and more by technology and data, I hope it's being led by people just like him. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To discover more design stories, visit us at OFS.com backslash imagine a place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro, and you've been listening to Imagine a Place.